The Old Testament lesson is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 1 through 9, found in your pew Bible on page 686 of the Old Testament. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy upon them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, and so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our second scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke. The ninth chapter in Luke is a turning point in the Gospel. In that chapter, Jesus decides that it is time for him to turn his face towards Jerusalem. It is time for him to go and face the powers in that city and to face the injustice and to face death itself. We are now in chapter 13. As Jesus gets closer and closer to Jerusalem, so the time becomes that more precious and important for him to be able to communicate the gospel. Let us listen to God's word from Luke chapter 13 verses 1 to 9. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But, unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But, unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, 
and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, all well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, you know our thoughts, you know our lives, you know our brokenness, you know what road we travel this day. And we ask, O oh God, that you may speak words of life, that you may speak words of mercy and grace, and that we may come to the water and drink of your grace and be fed by your mercy and led by your love. Redirect our lives into the path and the ways of life. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I was about 16 or 17 when I was allowed to join the queue in the family of taking a turn to drive on that long drive from St. Louis, Missouri to Brainerd, Minnesota, which, as you all well know, we took every summer. We were in that green Ford station wagon with the fake wooden panels on the sides, the one where you could put all the pillows in the back seat, behind the back seat, and people could lie down and sleep in those days. And about everyone had fallen asleep, and I was driving, and before my mother fell asleep, she said, just remember to stay on Highway 61 towards Iowa City, Okay, well, there I am driving along, and pretty soon I come to this very rickety old bridge. And I paid the man a quarter to cross the bridge. And it was so old and so rickety that as soon as that old Ford station wagon started to drive across it, there was this terrible noise and this whole shaking that took place, and my mother woke up with a start and said words that cannot be said in a sermon. <laughs> so we pulled over and looked at a map and figured out that I had not stayed on Highway 61, but that, in fact, I had turned off onto Highway 24 when the road split, and we were in Quincy, Illinois. It wasn't that far. But we found out what we needed to do, and we turned the car around and got back on that road to Brainerd and our vacation. I don't know how long it was before they let me drive again. And now I'm not allowed to leave the house without a GPS. We get lost. 
Jesus is very blunt with his folk in Galilee, and given a number of themes that we have in these brief nine verses, sin, suffering, repentance, forgiveness, life, death, grace, we may not even be sure what Jesus is being blunt about. There had been this terrible thing that had happened. These people had gone to worship at the temple, and they had brought their sacrifices, and they had been killed by the Roman occupying army as they were worshiping. And people are telling Jesus about this, and they sort of want to know why. Why did this happen? Give us an explanation, Jesus. Tell us. What was it about these people or this situation that they were killed in this way? And there is this sort of implication that was popular at that time that if bad things happen to you, then God was angry with you because you or your parents or somewhere, a terrible sin had been committed. Well, Jesus stops that right there. Do you think that they were worse sinners than you? No. But, unless you repent, you will all die as they did. And those 18 who died when the tower fell in Jerusalem, were they worse sinners than everyone else in Jerusalem? No. It doesn't work that way. God does not mete out punishment for our mistakes. Suffering does not happen to us because God wills it. No, says Jesus. God does not give us cancer or cause us to die in car accidents or those we love because we have done something wrong. It doesn't happen like that. And Jesus does not go and tell us why bad things happen to good people. He does not attempt to explain the tragedy or address it in any other way other than to say this is not a result of God's anger. But instead, he takes that opportunity of talking about the precariousness precariousness of life to get people to live. And he says quite astonishingly that unless we repent, we too will die just as those who died in these tragedies did. And then we might just stop and wonder if Jesus isn't having just a really, really, really bad day. Is this his mood? Well, Jesus certainly is intense, and as we have said, he is running out of time. And he wants to stop the station wagon and get the family to turn around. The key word in this passage is repent. All throughout the Gospel of Luke, Jesus and John the Baptist is trying to get us to repent. 
trying to get us to turn again towards the kingdom of God, trying to get us to bear fruits worthy of repentance, telling us that he came to save the sinners, to save the lost and not the righteous, that Jesus tells us that angels in heaven celebrate more than one sinner who repents than over a hundred righteous people who need no repentance. We have misused the word repent. We have reduced it to a feeling of regret or remorse. The call to repentance can feel as if someone is beating us over the head trying to make us feel bad for a forced confession of guilt. What Jesus is trying to do is far more radical. Jesus wants to shake us up until we can see ourselves and our neighbors and our world as he does. He wants to break us open and shatter our worldview. He doesn't want to make us feel sorry. He wants for us to reconstruct our whole lives. He wants to reconstruct the world and bring good news to the poor and sight to the blind and release to the captives. He wants us to change how we think about ourselves and how we see others and how we spend our time and our money and who we welcome at our table. So much in the Gospel of Luke is about bridging those divides. It is about coming together and seeing our whole family of humanity as one. Do you think that they were different from you? No. But until you can recognize that we are no different, we will not live. This past week, a white mother's child was hated because of her skin color. And in speaking with a mother of color, there was a new kind of unity, a new kind of coming together in that sadness of what we say to our children when they suffer and they have done nothing wrong. Karen was the mother of a family, a different family, whose teenage son came out to her and her husband when he was 15. These are open-minded people, but having a gay son did not fit into how they saw their lives. They were frightened. Would they ever get to be grandparents? At that time, it wasn't likely. They weren't ever about to reject their child. But they they knew that if they did not turn around, if they could not see themselves and him in a different light and the world in a different way, then their family would never be whole. And they saw at once the brokenness and the division 
of the straight and gay people in our world, and that mother, Karen, went to the library and took the first steps of reshaping her world view, her life. She turned around and has since helped many others. Jesus is trying to get us to turn around and come with him on the way to the kingdom of God. And it is all about healing, healing the divisions that separate us and giving us another chance to get it right. Do you think that those who die in gun violence are worse? No. But unless you turn from a culture of violence, you will all perish as they did. Do you think that those who lost their lives in Hurricane Sandy or their homes were worse sinners than you? No. But unless you stop denying climate change, you will all die. We will all die, Jesus says to us. We are like those who stand by Jesus when he tells that parable of the fig tree. God advocates for us in this world. God promises to help us, to tend our lives, to give us all the fertilizer and all the care that we need to bear good fruit. God is a God of mercy. It is a gift to be told unless, because that unless gives us the opportunity to turn around. I was reading an article in the Times yesterday, and maybe you saw it, about these drug courts. And the story was about a woman, Emily Leach, who was born to drug-addicted parents and then became an addict herself at a young age. And then who went to visit her father, who had moved to South America, and he paid her $30,000 to bring back a bundle of cocaine. And she was arrested at customs for importing illegal drugs and faced three years in prison but was sent instead to a drug court. And in the drug court, the judge sentenced her to parenting classes, to high school, to getting her GED, to job training, and to getting a job. And she has a job. And now she's given 18 months to be drug-free and not get arrested. And if she can do that, she will not go to prison. If she can't, then she will. But the most wonderful thing about this story, what came at the very end, when Emily said, These people have become my family. She and her judge hugged as he sent her out into the world 
with her second chance. We have all kinds of warnings about the roads we are on. We are warned that our nation is on a road of under overspending and too much government that will lead us to ruin. We are told and we are warned that we are on a, a road of undue austerity that will deepen our economic recession and drive us back into great suffering. What we are on is a road of division and a road that does not come together or see the log in one's own eye before attempting to take the log out of one's neighbors. The big unless that we have in this city today is the unless we can come together, our nation will remain broken and our people suffer. Unless. unless we can be aware of the suffering, unless we can be aware of the poor, unless we can be aware of those who are broken and hurting, unless we can choose to come together and turn the station wagon around, we will suffer. We might not go anywhere and be stuck there in Quincy, Illinois. Not such a bad place, but it's not a good place for our nation. Today, Jesus makes us stop. He makes us listen to our lives. He makes us to identify where the pain is, where the brokenness is. It may be our own pain that we feel most intensely from overwork or overstress or not pay attention to our bodies and our doctor coming to us and saying, unless you pay attention to what you eat and how you exercise, you're in for a world of trouble. Unless. It is that place that we must find and we must turn around. We may walk with another in their suffering. We may decide to walk into the gun violence or climate change. We may decide to turn from our own destructive ways of overspending or greed. Maybe we will join others and find ways for working for peace and justice and the wholeness of humanity and creation. Today, I invite you, as you walk to the table, to ask God to show you what road you are on. I invite you to listen to whether or not there is an unless on the way. And if while you are walking to that table, you suddenly hear a rattling and a rickety bridge underneath your feet, and you want to cry out in words not allowed in church, you not laugh. Take it as a gift. Take 
it as a gift. For God helping you to turn the station wagon around back in the direction of life. Amen.